I have one. They're both from the letters that he wrote. The so they have the ciphers in them. So oh, okay. One or no, it's just the one does. It's got the cipher that he claimed if you solved it was his real identity, which I don't think is actually true. I think it was all bullshit because he liked to mess with people. But I got yeah. that, that cipher on my chest, and then I got yours truly with the the crosshair sign also on my chest. Oh, cool. So, like, I'm into this case for sure. I'm pot committed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you watch the, like, I think on Disney Plus they just released another thing where some kid uh, believes that his dad or someone it was the Zodiac Killer. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I watched that one a while ago before Disney Plus picked it up. I saw it on whatever uh, channel had like made it, and I, I think that story's bullshit. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not with that one. I think, I think the Fincher movie has the right guy in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's, that's a perfect. Okay, well, that's a perfect segue. Uh, welcome to the viewers' cut. Uh, I have with me a new uh, guest to the podcast. You've already heard his voice a little bit here. Uh, his name is Barrett. He is another uh, Confederation alumni uh, pal of mine. Barrett, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, buddy. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, this is great. Well, I'm excited. I, you heard him talking a little bit about it at the beginning. We are talking Zodiac. Uh, it is the 15-year anniversary of David Fincher's underrated uh, film titled Zodiac was released in 2007 and we don't really have a specific structure for this episode we're just talking everything Zodiac we're going to talk about the movie we're going to talk about the case a little bit I know Barrett's got a few things to say and we're going to talk about uh, David um, David Fincher as well uh, but first I just want to give a little bit of a, um, a backstory for Barrett so obviously I met him in Confederation and my question to you Barrett I'm just curious if you remember do you remember the first movie that you and I went to see in Thunder Bay? <laughs> yeah, it was The Town. It was Ben Affleck's The Town. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this is engraved in my brain. I have this with a lot of my friends when I have like my first interaction with them. And we were in like the hub in uh, in where like our studio was for our for our school. And you came up to me and uh, I think Tom, <laughs> that Tom, Tom O'Neill guy. And you, yeah, yeah, you walked up to us and you heard us talking about The Town and you asked us if we had seen it, and we said, no, we want to go see it. And you're like, yeah, I just saw it like yesterday or the day before. Can I come with you guys? <laughs> yeah. And then I think that afternoon, we walked to the theater, and we want to watch the town. That's right. Because I had just seen it with Chris like a couple days before or something. And that's when I first met Chris. Also previous guest on this podcast, I believe. Yes, I was just going to say that. Yes, Chris has been uh, here before. So that's that's funny. So, um, yeah, we watched lots of movies in Thunder Bay. We lo we made lots of films together. And uh, about uh, it's been about 12 years since then. And we're still friends. And uh, um, I, I was trying to think of the best episode or topic to have you on here. And I'm going to go on a limb and say I picked the absolute best option. Would you agree? Absolutely. <laughs> so just before we start, I got a few questions for Barrett, but I'm just going to start it off with uh, just take the floor, Barrett, um, and just tell us a little bit of your history with this movie and uh, why you like it, how many times you've seen it, and uh, your thoughts on the Zodiac Killer. Oh, wow. So my obsession with this thing started a while before the Fincher movie came out, because I think the Fincher movie came out in 2007. Yes, that's and correct. in high school, so I was in high school from 01 to 05, 
And I remember me and my dad had seen like a, one of those A&E uh, special reports on the Zodiac and it just kind of covered the case and went over everything. And that was the first time I ever got exposed to it. And as soon as I found out that they never solved it, I think that's when the fascination just sunk in of like, there's this mystery that's out there that's still sol- that can still be solved. And if you just go through the evidence, the answer is in there. So that that's really when the obsession started. And I, any anytime somebody did a report on it or a book or anything, I had to have it and consume it all. It was just I loved it. And then in 07, when Fincher's movie came out, that was just the greatest day of my life. I remember just watching the trailer over and over again leading up to the day that it came out. Then I went opening day and saw it in kind of an empty theater too, I remember, which was a little sad, but I was like, whatever, this movie's for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I was looking up. Uh, Like this movie did not, like critically it did very well, but it did not make a lot of money. I don't even, like I'm a little bit younger than you, but I don't even remember when it came out. And like it had a great cast, but they weren't the superstars they are today. Like obviously Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr. Like this is pre-Iron Man. Yeah, definitely Downey Jr. Yeah, and it's weird because it's a great cast, but they weren't powerhouses yet. And David Fincher at this point was a, I mean, he's, he made a, like, this was before the social network, but he had seven, he had Fight Club. And, like, I don't know why uh, this movie did not do that well, box office wise. Was there a lot of marketing and, like, advertising for it, Barrett? Or did you feel that you just knew about it because you were so invested in Zodiac? I knew about it because being film students one of my like daily websites was the apple movie trailer website so i was going to that every day regardless and then one day it just popped up but i don't really really remember much marketing behind it and i think a lot of the box office failure to it was because it's a two hour and 20 minute movie which i think right there you just you've kind of eliminated half your audience Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's definitely a long movie and just to touch on that because i say this Every time, because my wife, Jamie, and I rewatched it a couple nights ago, and I always go into it because I'm a a stickler with runtime. I'm like, "Ah, there's probably a few things you can cut in this movie. And and then I watch it, and the movie's over, and I I turn to Jamie, and I'm like, I don't know. There's nothing you can cut in this movie. It it flows so well, and you need everything. Like, it's it's like three different movies. Like, each act is something totally different. Uh, in it before we get to the movie Baird, I just wanted to quickly ask you do you consider yourself like a serial killer enthusiast because I know you're into this kind of stuff like uh, beyond Zodiac oh yeah I'm definitely a serial killer enthusiast for sure but mm-hmm. like I watch all of the Netflix and anytime they make a mini series on one of those I'm watching it but I tend to gravitate towards the police investigation more which kind of fascinates me more than the actual like serial killer themselves or like how they operated i still find that interesting but my go-to is anything that's on how the police figured this out and caught the person that's what really interests me which is why i love zodiac so much because it's a it's a serial killer movie that's almost two and a half hours long and the killings stop 20 minutes into the movie and the rest of it is just police procedural how do they figure this? How do they try to crack this case? And I think that's why I liked it so much. Yeah, and I was reading. I did a little bit of digging on this movie. A few things I already knew, but David Fincher chose 
to only show the killings that had a witness or a survivor because I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe, uh, although he's claimed to have killed, or he claimed to have killed more people, um, there's only five confirmed deaths and seven victims. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So in okay. the movie, yeah, there was a, they only, you only get to see the, mur- the murders that had an eyewitness or a survivor mm-hmm. uh, to it. So yeah, the first uh, murders that he committed at Blue Rock Springs, both of them unfortunately died. So there was no witness to the crime. So yeah, Fincher didn't include it in the movie, which I think is such a perfect, such a perfect thing to do. Yeah, I totally agree. And just, I didn't say at the beginning, obvious spoiler, uh, spoiler warning for anyone listening, go watch the movie and then come back. Um, yeah, so you're totally right. Like a hundred percent, it's, 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 it's almost like you start off, it's very news reporty at the beginning, like Robert Downey Jr. is a main focal point in the first act. And then it kind of shifts to Mark Ruffalo in the second act and he's very dominant in the movie and then it shifts to the third act where jake gyllenhaal takes over and and his like um because he's a cartoonist i believe he's not an actual reporter and um i just love how the movie goes through so i just kind of want you to, to get your thoughts just on the movie as objectively as a film and then as a, a, a like adaptation of Great Smith's book on the actual like Zodiac uh, findings and all their research and everything. So just kind of through both lenses. Yeah, so the, the movie kind of follows who's ever, I guess, quote unquote, the lead d- investigator of this case, right? Because it kind of starts out, it's it takes place over multiple uh, jurisdictions. So it's mm-hmm. not just one police department, one detective investigating it, right? So it kind of starts out, uh, the murders happen, and then Robert Downey Jr. kind of steps into the 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 kind of investigator position of the movie because he's sending letters to the to the newspaper. So he's curious about this. He's the guy that covers crime at the newspaper. So he kind of takes over the he kind of leads the starts the investigation, and then the police come in. And when they realize that this is kind of a bigger thing than just uh, a killer in a city, which there's plenty of, they realize there's a bigger picture behind this. So then Toski kind of takes over the investig- the lead investigator of the movie. And then as the years go on and they don't solve this case, it becomes a cold case and they have less, they put less attention towards it. So then Robert Graysmith, the Jake Gyllenhaal character, steps in and he kind of becomes the lead investigator in the movie because it, he just becomes obsessed with it and just it just takes over his life, right? It hurts mm-hmm. his, his job, his, his relationship. And it just becomes this obsession. So he's now the our lead investigator for going through this crime. Yeah, and that's perfect for the runtime. I, I think it kind of sits in its own category because most times I'm in favor of any movie over two and a half hours probably could be cut. But with this, I think it works because they, they jam-pack so much into this. And I think it spans – it starts in the late 60s and it ends 1992, 1993, I believe. So it spans over a long period of time and there's just so much going on and you're invested in all of these characters. And like – Mark Ruffalo is in each act, but like we were saying, like it, there's a focus at each point. And there's some really good Fincher moments in it too, like really, really tense scenes. And I want your thoughts on a few scenes, Barrett. So the opening scene, I think, is one of the scariest, most tense 
moments in any movie I've seen. There are no jump scares. There's no stupid cheesy music. There's no see like stupid fake CGI. It's two people in a car and another car that just drives up and then drives off and then comes back. And there's more scenes throughout. Like all the killings are great. They're really well executed. And uh, the scene at the end with Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, when he, I forgot the guy's name, but he goes to like the guy who owns the theater or whatever. So talk a little bit about what David Fincher was able to do with tension in this movie. Oh, he's just the master. He just, it's incredible. And I think he based a lot of this on the case files, like the actual, um, evidence from the case. So that opening scene where the, the young girl and guy get murdered, I think that's based entirely on Mike Majot's experience that day. So there's little things that you can watch when you when you know more about the case where uh, he had told the police that they were getting followed previously in the night. Um, and in the movie, when you watch uh, Darlene, she's driving the car, you can kind of see her looking in the rearview mirror a lot. And then she mm. says, it's too crowded here. We got to get out of here. So that was actually a real thing on she was she was being followed and they thought that she knew who the person was that was following her. She was trying to get away from them. Unfortunately, the worst thing to do was go be at a lover's lane alone together rather than yeah. being in public with a bunch <laughs> of witnesses around. Yeah. But. Yeah. David Fincher is incredible. He's done it pretty much in all of his movies. And I like his uh i don't really know what it is like this there there's a lot of um like i already said tension but like on in most cases this movie could be extremely boring and i'm not as into crime like i like crime movies and and serial killers and all that kind of stuff but i'm curious to you and if you can answer this if you can it's no big deal but what do you think like again you're in you're in, invested in the zodiac killing um, and, uh, like the killer and, and all this stuff. What do you, th like, if you had to sell this movie to someone, how would you sell it? What, what do you think makes, like, d does it stand out to you amongst the rest of other, like, uh, film adaptations of true crime stories and stuff? Like, how would you sell this movie to someone who hasn't seen it? Oh boy. I definitely think this one, you, it has to be your thing because this movie oh, okay. is a straight up slow burn which I think yeah. is true to how a real police investigation works is it you don't just get all the answers in under two hours and then you solve the crime, right? It's a, it's a long process. And I think he really wanted to stay true to the feeling that these officers get when they're trying to solve these crimes, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's it, uh, like the whole scene with them. Actually, I think it's only in the director's cut. Do you know if you watch the director's cut or the regular, the theatrical version? Well, I think the one I watched was longer than two hours. I think you said at the beginning it was about two hours and 20 minutes. The one I watched was longer. So I'm assuming I watched the director's cut because I'm assuming it's longer. Right. That, okay. I definitely think so. So was there a scene where they're literally just talking to a microphone in the police station because they're trying to get a warrant for to search the guy's trailer? Yes. Yeah. So something so, yeah. like that. Like. If I were trying to sell this to the masses, that is the first scene I would cut out because it's long, it's boring, but it's incredibly important to telling this story of how hard it is to actually get a warrant to go search somebody's house. Just because you think they're the they're guilty 
you need to provide enough evidence to a judge who's going to sign off on a warrant and say, okay, there's, there's enough evidence that you need to look at this person closer. So when you don't get that warrant, it really stalls your investigation because you're like, well, how am I supposed to get evidence on the person if I can't toss the trailer, right? So mm-hmm. it, it really stays true to how it, how police procedures actually, actually work, I think. Okay, and uh, I want to talk about some specific scenes that that stand out to you that you like. I'm, I'll start with one for me, and then I'll pass it over to you. One of my favorite scenes, it's the very end, it's when Mark Ruffalo and Jake Gyllenhaal, they go to the diner, I think, and Jake Gyllenhaal finally lays out um, the specifics of, uh, it's Arthur Lee Allen, right? Yeah, so the, he lays out the specifics, like all this circumstantial evidence that just seems to point an arrow right at this guy. And he's like using the salt shaker and all this stuff. They're breaking down how close he used to live to, I think you said Darlene's your name. And Mark Ruffalo goes into this scene, not blatant. I think it starts with Jake Gyllenhaal waking him up. And then um, because he discovers his actual birthday, which I believe was December 18th. And that's like a huge uh, breakthrough. And then it's just seeing Mark Ruffalo slowly play catch up with Jake Gyllenhaal, who is at this point completely upset. He hasn't shaved. He's totally selling. His performance is incredible. And he just literally breaks it down point by point. And as a viewer, you're sitting here going, how is it not this guy? So that's one of my favorite scenes. And we'll get to Arthur Lee Allen in a second. But just let let the viewers know some of your favorite scenes or sequences and things that stand out in the movie for you. Yeah, let me just touch on that one real quick. That was a great scene. That's how it ends, which is essentially how the case kind of ends in real life is, you know, they never, spoiler alert, they never solve it. They just have all this circumstantial evidence at the end pointing towards one person. But it, yeah, it kind of gives a nice ending to it. Um, So for anybody listening that likes this kind of stuff, so when you're watching that scene, look in uh, Mark Ruffalo's binder when he has it open because you can kind of see, it's a weird angle, but you can kind of see like a face sketch of somebody. And that was actually, so that police sketch right there is the one that the police officers who the day of the, the cabbie murder in San Francisco, they were you know, what, like two minutes down from the scene of the crime and they had stopped somebody walking away from it, like kind of going in a hurry. And, but they had the wrong description of the person. So the people that called in the crime as it was happening said it was a black male or something. Somehow there was some confusion and the radio report went over the radio to the police saying, looking for a black male. And this guy happened to be white. So they saw that he was white and then they just brushed him off and just went on. And a, a lot of people think that was the actual Zodiac that they had stopped there. So in Mark Ruffalo's binder at that diner scene, you can see a, a sketch that is not the famous Zodiac sketch when you when you Google it with the guy with the crew cut and the glasses on. That was the, so the one Ruffalo has is the one that the police officers gave him of the description of the guy that they saw leaving the scene. And that sketch looks way more like Arthur Lee Allen. So that's a little timbit that they threw the Fincher threw in that for us like Zodiac heads, it's like that's a perfect little touch. Interesting. I didn't know that. Of all the things I read, I I didn't know that. Do you have any other scenes that you that that, that stand out for you? My favorite scene is when they first go to interview Arthur Lee Allen at the oh, at the factory. So that's my favorite. 
So good. So yeah, good. Yeah, just because of... Oh, what's the actor's name that plays him? I forget his name. I'm going to probably get one word wrong or one part of his name. I believe it's John Carroll Lynch. Yes, that's the guy. Yeah. So yeah. when they first meet him, like that's my favorite scene. In all of these serial killer movies, that's always my favorite scene when these detectives and these police have spent their days trying to solve figure out who is this person and then they finally one day just kind of lay eyes on somebody and they're like i think that's them you know when they finally get to meet this person that they think they're chasing that's always my favorite scene and then in this one with the just the way it unravels with the the police noticing the different evidence on him like he wears the same kind of boots that they've seen at the crime scenes and then the zodiac watch which was like which is a huge part of this whole thing. I just love that. Yeah, it's a very, very good scene. So this is a good, good time to segue to our boy. Uh, uh, now I'm Arthur Lee Arthur. Allen. I keep forgetting it. Yeah. Um, now what? Yeah, yeah. So one thing that I did read that I thought was interesting. I don't. You probably know this, but David Fincher chose in each of the attack scene or the, the murder scenes, he used a different actor, of different shape and structure i believe just because you actually watch it they kind of look different you never see their face obviously the the scene by the pond or the water that he's wearing a mask the opening scene you never see his face and then you barely see him in the 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 taxi uh, murder scene but i thought that was kind of cool just because you don't want to have the same actor playing at the same time because it could be kind of especially if they like use john carroll lynch in that role so i thought that was clever because then you're watching you're like oh there's john carroll lynch yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's a great touch that Fincher did. And then I also heard that when you hear the Zodiac's voice, like through the phone calls, he took the voice of those three actors that played the killer and kind of meshed them together, so you don't even get oh. like a familiar voice from it either. Interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. Which is such and... a great great touch because you know they never caught the guy, so they, we don't have a face and a voice to this person. Yeah, and it's a very like, again like this. Uh, just before we get to get to him, the this movie is, is a little biased. Obviously, it's based on one book and who they thought was the prime suspect, who who was the prime suspect. But the movie also doesn't feel very biased because of little like decisions like that, where the filmmaker David Fincher is aware that as much as as much evidence as they have towards this one guy it's it was never resolved so they don't know definitively and stuff like that it makes it interesting as a viewer and i think it kind of works in a subconscious level as you're watching because a lot of people wouldn't pick up on it but i think it's just kind of like a, a subtle uh little um little touch uh so arthur lee allen i, I don't really have a specific question for you but um arthur lee i want to zodiac killer there you go okay so give me your thoughts ba based on the movie what they do in the movie and just what you've gathered Anything that I've seen, he's the prime suspect. I mean, there's no smoking gun. There's no DNA. There's no hard, like really hard evidence. But when there's that much circumstantial, it's kind of the, the saying where there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing, right? Yeah. And the odds of you having a Zodiac brand watch with the name and that symbol at the exact same time there's murders going on where the person is calling themselves the Zodiac and using that symbol. That's pretty hard circumstantial evidence to talk yourself out of, right? Yeah, totally agree. Right? And that's, that's a huge coincidence. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I like, 
again, I, I'm going to paraphrase here, but like back to the scene I was talking about, like where he lived in his mother's basement by this girl. Um, uh, what was the other thing uh, Jake Hall said? Uh, the, the timeline of him being in prison and when the letter stopped and when they started. Like, I'm assuming, uh, based on everything else, that all that stuff is accurate. Like, were they basing that off real things, like like when they got the letters? Oh, absolutely. All that stuff is right to the right to the T of how it happened. Yeah, so that like that to me, like again, watching this movie, again, it's based on one guy's book. I understand that, but it's like how and I said it at the beginning, how is it not this guy? It makes perfect sense. Like so many things like what's how many how much circumstantial evidence can you have until it's enough evidence to to uh to arrest and and prosecute cuz I'm like this guy, it lines up perfectly. I, I don't, I don't understand how, like, like it just seemed like they say in the movie, and I kind of forget. I don't know if you know Barrett, but what was the main reason why they couldn't, uh, couldn't go with Arthur Lee Allen? Why they didn't arrest him and charge him with it? Yeah. Well, the so the thing was like right at the end of the movie is they had finally prepared a strong enough case they thought to bring charges to this guy, and then they find out he has a heart attack and he's dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I, I should have been more specific. Sorry, earlier in the movie, after they interview him and stuff, I know he dies at the end when the guy fingers him at the uh, um, the airport um, when he shows him the photo. But I, I mean, sorry, back after Mark Ruffalo, uh, they interviewed him and he gets pissed off. Then he like, I thought this was my guy. Why Was it fingerprints at that point or was it the writing? Um, well, they never linked him to a fingerprint or the writing. Like, okay. So that was the thing is they had all this circumstantial evidence, but then when they tested the guy's handwriting to the writing of the letters that the Zodiac wrote, uh, his right hand didn't match it. His left hand didn't match it. They never found a fingerprint. Like this is why, yeah, this is why they could never bring charges uh, to him okay. is he just, they just didn't have that hard evidence that would be hard for him to explain. Like, why is your fingerprint at this murder scene? You know, or why does your, handwriting match the handwriting that the zodiac um uh uses you know yeah so that's why they so... could never bring charges to him because when you're when you're trying to convict somebody of a crime if you bring those charges and then they're found innocent in court that's your chance right you don't have another chance you can't bring, you can't charge that person with those crimes again so then you're essentially letting them go so you you want to bring the best case possible forward mm-hmm. and if you don't have it then it's not worth the risk right yeah oh that it, i totally understand that that makes perfect sense um the um uh so f- the movie's 15 years old does the movie still hold up for you like i'm assuming you you've rewatched it recently like how how does it hold up in like your 15 years of uh, of watching it Oh, I, I love it. I still think it holds up. I'm obviously a very biased opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd be curious. I'd be curious for somebody that watches it for the first time, like now that I can't speak for. I don't know. Well, but I, I think so I, sh- yeah, I showed, I, I, I've watched it a few times with Jamie, but it was only a few years ago. She never heard of it. Uh, of course, because apparently no one's heard of this movie, know, and right? um, really? um, she loved it. Like again, no, like again, she's not a film buff or whatever, but she she likes movies and can appreciate good movies, and she absolutely loved it. And oh, I don't, awesome. I don't know of anyone that has actually watched it that didn't like it. Like it's got a nine, eighty nine or ninety percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Like I don't know, 
really what you could find in nitpick. Again, the only thing would be length and being bored with it because the performances are great. The cinematography is great. The music's great. The mood, the atmosphere. David Fincher is obviously a fantastic director and um, it, it just really has to come down to that. Or you're, like I said, you're just not interested in, in this. Um, uh, so to, to shift to, um, well, actually, before we jump off of it, in regards to adaptations as a whole from books or another source material, uh, do you uh, put this up there as, as one of the best? Like, I don't know if you've read the book, but um, I know you've watched a lot of these types of movies. Like, is this one of the best adaptations that you've seen? Oh, it has to be. Uh, I don't, I haven't read the book fully. I've tried reading it probably three times it's a kind of a hard read because i think it reads as if like you're reading police reports you know how Uh, an officer will like go to a house and be like i spoke to so and so at this time and they said that it kind of reads like one of those and it's that's kind of hard to to really get into but i think that's why it's so close uh, such a close adaptation is because that's that's kind of how the movie unfolds is it's kind of like a slow burn and you kind of you get everything slowly piece by piece so I think it's now, pretty close. Yeah, and, and quickly before we jump off of it too, because they, they kind of have a meta moment in the movie too where they go to watch Dirty Harry. And I know Dirty Harry is loosely based on the Zodiac killings. Is that correct or correct me if I'm wrong? Apparently, yeah, I guess so. I've never seen Dirty Harry. Have you? No, I haven't. No. <laughs> I've heard about it. Like it's in pop culture. Like everyone, if you know Clint Eastwood, you know Dirty Harry. But I've never seen it. But they go to see it in the movie and, and that's the scene when Mark Ruffalo leaves and he's he meets jake gyllenhaal which is a great scene as well quick but but very very uh, has a you know huge impact on their relationship but um i, I just don't know anything about it. i just know that it's loosely based because i think mark ruffalo makes a comment about hollywood movies or, or something or go go watch the movie or something like that um i just didn't know if you knew or if you if you had seen the movie i guess um, it is in the sense that it's based on a it came out at that time when the killings yeah had happened and then i guess that there was a killer that wrote letters to the police in the movie so i guess it's it's ba- loosely based on it that way i guess uh, okay interesting okay uh no, to shift it to, to david fincher uh i guess uh, you can give us a little bit of your history with with him i guess i'll just say um is he one of your favorite directors oh definitely yeah absolutely okay yeah, so it's like I'll quickly run through it. So anyone that doesn't know, David Fincher, uh, he did Alien Three, which he doesn't really uh, want to talk about. Uh, unfortunately, there was a huge issue with the okay, did with, not see with that the producer. That yeah, so yeah, it's it's I've watched it. It's it's not very good. Um, anyway, so Seven, uh, Fight Club, uh, I might miss one here too. Uh, Panic Room, um, he did a a Michael Douglas movie. Uh, I forget what it's called the game i think or something like that oh yeah I saw um uh then social network uh um, gone girl girl with the dragon tattoo a new one that came to netflix mank and i may have missed one or two i'm not sure but uh that's david fincher he's done a, a lot of classic films um did you try watching mank at all i didn't unfortunately no i couldn't get through it it wasn't for me <laughs> yeah i heard it I, I think it was a little bit of a step um, like a, a different uh, direction for him for sure. So yeah, so Dave Fincher is one of your favorite directors. What do you like about him? And uh, and obviously, I'm assuming Zodiac's near the top of, of your favorite. Just just curious, uh, your thoughts on him as a director? Um, he's definitely one of my favorite. He's one of those guys that they've made enough good movies where they have a pass forever. So even if a movie like Mank comes out and you're like, it's not really for me, didn't really like it. 
there he's still done so much good stuff that no matter what he puts out i'm gonna at least give it a try kind of thing right i yeah, imagine yeah, that's how sure. he is with you too yeah, I don't. I would never say I love him. I I I love a few of his movies. I think he's a very. He also did Mindhunter as well. Yeah, um, I love Mindhunter. Yes, yeah, yes, and uh, yeah. So uh, I know a few people that are really big fans of him. Um, my introduction to David Fincher was Panic Room. I watched that as a kid. I was obsessed with Panic Room, and this was before I was a film and I don't even know what you call it, a film enthusiast or a film lover or whatever. I just really liked the movie. And then as you watch all these movies, there's a connecting like theme. He's very dark, very moody. He's got this like yellow tinge to his movie. And you, you know when you're watching a, a, uh, a David Fincher movie for sure. Um, and actually, uh, you and I saw Gone Girl in the theater together. Oh, we did? Yes, you and I went and saw Gone Girl. That was a, a little uh, trivia for you folks that are listening. That was the weekend that Jamie messaged me back on uh, the uh, on Plenty of Fish, the online dating site I met her on. Oh, that's right. And you took that picture over your shoulder because I was sitting behind you. Yes. Like, oh, so you okay. and I, wow. I forget, you were at that apartment. I don't remember where it was, but you were living at the apartment um, and I, I stayed a night or two and we went and saw Gone Girl. We watched some football and yeah. Oh, right on. I did not I did not remember that. Okay. Cool. <laughs> okay. And at this point right now, so in twenty twenty two, is there any stuff going on with this case? Oh, actually, yeah. They're starting as far as I know, they're starting to they're trying to do a DNA thing. So okay. I think maybe they had gotten a small trace of DNA off one of the envelopes that the killer had sent to a newspaper. So I think with like the newer technology we have these days, I think they're trying to test that and they're doing it the same way that they caught the Golden State Killer. I don't know if you're familiar with that case at all. But no, they, I've heard of it, but I, I don't know. Right, where they caught the guy through the like the Ancestry.com kind of thing where people send in their DNA to just see where their ancestors came from. And so these okay. companies have this huge database of DNA and the and these police departments can go in and they can kind of find... If they have DNA, they can match it to relatives of that person, and then they can kind of construct a family tree and then kind of narrow in their their search that way, right? So I think, as far as I know, uh, that's what they're doing with the Zodiac right now is they're trying to find relatives based on the DNA that they have and then kind of zero in on somebody that way. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, because that's, that's a big thing, right? Like we talked about, like this started in, in the late 60s. Like obviously technology has, has advanced a lot since then. That actually brings up an interesting question. And I'm going to ask you right now. I did not prep you for this. If the Zodiac uh, killer started today, the same thing unfolds, same murders and all that. Do you think with technology now he would have been caught right away? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's lasting like he did back then for sure <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah because again his kill it was only it was a small span of time it wasn't very long and then like you said and the movie uh executes that perfectly because like you said his killings i believe were between 68 and 69 or 70 it wasn't a long time and then it was just years of investigation and that's literally how the movie is structured where first 15 20 minutes are all the murders there's also the one scene with the girl that gets away that he picks up on the side of the road which is another scene i haven't even mentioned which is a great tense scene as well that actually happened right 
That's a great scene. That happened in real life, but some some people don't think it was actually Zodiac that had done that. Oh, that she was okay. just a similar kind of crime, and then she had just said it was the Zodiac. Uh, okay, I'm gotcha. of the side that I don't think that one was a Zodiac, an actual Zodiac attack. I think that was oh. just some other weirdo. Uh, okay, and... Um, anyways, back to my other point. I, I, it just it executes the the structure the the, the structure of the movie executes the actual story very well because it, it just the way it, it's it's uh, paced throughout it, the the most of the movie is just the investigation and the character interactions within that. I think it's well structured and unfortunately to the movie's fault it it lowers the appeal because like we've already said that's not for everyone a lot of people need the shoot 'em up action scenes they need more tense um you know i don't know like it 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 works for me but i like again if I, I can I can understand both camps i can understand loving this movie i can understand you passionately behind it and i can also see someone not liking it <laughs> like oh, do absolutely. you agree with that this has okay. to be your thing i think to like this movie this kind of like to truly love this movie this this topic has to kind of be your thing for sure mm-hmm. okay yeah i totally totally understand it's just it's just such a slow burn and just and also i think a lot of people they want an ending to their movie right and this thing does not have a ending because it's just ongoing right well, actually, now that you bring up the ending, again, I'm just basically using you as like a fact check because you know 99% of all this. So the scene, which is great, it's it's um, it's set up and paid off perfectly where Jake Hall literally says to his, I guess, ex-wife that he wants to look Zodiac in the face. Um, I forget when in the movie it's said, but it's somewhere in the second act. And then you have this last scene where Jake Hall's character goes to like the, the store or the tool shop or wherever it is. And he walks up and he looks at Arthur Lee Allen straight in the face. They have a moment when they stare at each other. And then Jake Hall just leaves no words, a beautiful scene. Performances are great. And he just walks off. My question for you, Barrett is a, did that happen? And B, what are your thoughts on the execution of the scene and what does it, what does it say to you? Uh, as far as I know, that is a real uh, thing. Like Robert Graysmith, who Jake Gyllenhaal's character is based on. Apparently he actually did that. Yeah. He found out where Arthur Lee Allen was working, you know, after, it was like 10 years after the last murder had been committed or something like that. And just went up to his work and just, yeah, confronted him. I don't think they said anything, but I think it happened just like in the movie. It's in his book, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that was a real thing, yeah. And that's probably my second favorite scene of the movie, too. I love that scene. Yeah, like John Carroll Lynch's performance is so good. He kind of starts off with a smirk or a slight smile or just kind of like he's about to greet a random customer. And then I think the movie's the scene is speaking volumes because obviously – some guy was calling Jake Gyllenhaal and just breathing on the phone. If it was in fact Arthur Lee Allen, he I think in like within 10, 15 seconds of looking at Jake Gyllenhaal, he knows who it is. And it it's just saying so much without actually saying anything at all, dialogue wise. And then Jake Gyllenhaal just leaves. And it, it, it's just a perfectly executed scene that a lot of filmmakers would probably make more extravagant, maybe do something a little bit more with it. But David Fincher kind of took the simplified approach. Yeah, less and is just, more, baby. 
exactly. And like you've been on this journey. If you are someone that likes this movie and you've gotten to this point, you haven't turned it off. It's it it, it totally pays off because Jake Gyllenhaal has been obsessed. And the Zodiac, if he is in fact the Zodiac killer, is like, wow, you're the guy that got the closest and you, you didn't get me. <laughs> So you can look at it and interpret it as much as you want. If you believe Arthur Lee Allen is the Zodiac Killer by the end of this movie, it's a great scene. And if you don't think he's the Zodiac Killer, it's also a really good scene. So that that's that's beautifully executed. Yeah, I guess you could kind of say in terms of like like movie talk, I guess that is kind of the the climax of the movie, right? Because he says he just needs to see this guy, just need to look at him and yeah. know it's him. And then that's what he does. Yeah. It's a powerful scene with, you know, very little dialogue and very little action. But if you're invested in the story in this movie, that's a really powerful scene for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very, very, very good. As a whole, all films, all time, where does Zodiac rank for you? Oh, it's my number one. It, 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 I, I thought so. <laughs> yeah. It, it's tied. It depends what day you ask me. It's tied with No Country for Old Men, but it's those two Ooh. that are number one. Okay, so I'm going to wrap this up, Barry. I'm going to have a random question here for you. So let's pretend for some reason this will never happen, but some random FBI agent from the States comes to you, knocks on your door, walks in and says, uh, Mr. Uh, Barrett Gobert, you have two minutes. Please explain to me uh, who you think the Zodiac Killer is and why. What would you say? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this is like my fantasy. Yeah, so it happens, um, it, and, and uh, the floor is yours. What do you say? It was It's Arthur Lee Allen. That's, that's my thing. I think the movie nailed it. I really do. I think there's too much circumstance around him. Um, you want me to go, like, say the hard evidence? Yeah. Well, you have two minutes, man. The clock's going. Oh, God. <laughs> this is my elevator pitch? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, boy. Well, the Zodiac watch, obviously, is a tough one to explain. He had the same size uh, hands and feet as the the footprints that we that were at the sites and the gloves that they found in the cab. Um, he was a convicted pedophile. Like he had, uh, he had gone to prison for inappropriate behavior with children. And then one of the threats Zodiac made was to a school bus and to children. Um, he lived close to the, the restaurant where one of the victims worked and he was within walking distance and it's believed that he did know that person. So that's, that's a hard thing to explain, uh, when you are, you have a connection to one of the victims and then all this other stuff is surrounding it. Oh man, I forget some of the evidence now. I, I guess I should have rewatched it, but <laughs> It was Arthur Lee Allen. That's final case yeah. closed. <laughs> Perfect. All right, we'll go. Uh, we'll go arrest his corpse. <laughs> All right. Actually, if anybody listening is fascinated by this or is just getting their interest peaked, ZodiacKiller.com is the website that you got to go to. It's got literally everything on it. Or if you're a huge nerd like me, um, go to the FBI website. Go to their. Uh, the vault they call it and you can search for Zodiac and get all of their police files that they've collected over the decades on this case Ooh. it's all open to the public now oh wow so yeah you can do a well, deep you dive go. if you're a big nerd you can do a big deep dive in this for sure 
Yeah, well, and I think that's a great way to segue to just wrap this up. So honestly, if uh, we've recommended a lot of movies on this podcast, but I highly, highly recommend this movie, as uh, obviously does Barrett. It's his favorite movie of all time. Um, and uh, it's just, especially now, if you're like, like, even if you're if you're a Robert Downey Jr. fan, if you're a Jake Gyllenhaal fan, obviously if you're a Mark Ruffalo fan or David Fincher fan, any of them, go check it out. It's it's definitely worth the watch. It's it's not for everyone, but it's just a very well executed movie about real life events, and it does it so well. Just from what the little stuff I've read and all the stuff Barrett has read, so definitely check it out. Is there anything you want to say about Zodiac before we cut it off here, Barrett? Greatest movie of all time. Well, there you go. It's great. <laughs> yeah, screw Casablanca and Citizen Kane. Zodiac is officially the greatest movie of all time. I mean, Casablanca is okay, but it doesn't even have the Zodiac in it. So <laughs> it's not even a good movie then. Uh, well, thanks everyone for listening. Barrett, I'm glad uh, that you joined and hopefully we can set something up. I guess we're going to have to do No Country for Old Men now. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I'm in. It'll be, our little, it'll be a good little double feature to go. Zodiac and No Country for Old Men with Barrett. Sounds good. Cool. Well, thanks again, Barrett. Have a great day. And everyone, thanks for listening. All right, buddy. See you. All right, bye. Hey there. Remember that you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and many other options. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram as The Viewer's Cut. Bye-bye.